turning to Romans first chapter, looking at verse 16 to 17. As we look at this epistle, as we're turning into, they give you a little background. Paul wrote this letter to Rome before he meet them, anticipating his meeting there with them and to share his excitement about the witness that they have and the purpose of why he's coming there to proclaim and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're not there, say, hold on. Amen. If you're there, say, let us begin. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. Praise God for his word of God, for the people of God. You may be seated. Help me uh, announce this to your neighbor. Tell them not a shame. Wake up your neighbor to the other side. Make sure they heard you cloud and clear. Tell them not a shame. Amen. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. If you look closely here at the text, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to who? Everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Sick of pen in there for a moment. If you look closely again about to the Jew and to the Greek, he also says the Jew will be just first, then the Greek. To point out that those who know better ought to do better. And so he's saying those who were first to receive the witness uh, will be judged by this witness. Then it goes on, says therein what is the righteousness? Within the gospel is righteousness of God. I want to try, not, try to deal with being not ashamed. So much in our lives, we have things to be ashamed about. We, we get embarrassed over such little things. Whether you might be walking on the sidewalk and you stumble over the curb, you get embarrassed. You might be in the cafeteria, you drop your tray, you become embarrassed. You trip over your own shoelace, you become embarrassed. There's a lot of things we become embarrassed about and then we become ashamed about. But Paul is pointing out one thing I am not ashamed of is the gospel of God. He's pointing out that this gospel of Christ, this gospel he's preaching of, this gospel is the power of God. Can somebody say power? The same word power is used later on within the text saying his eternal power. Come somebody say power. power. 
This power in the Greek, some say, talk about how you might get the word dynamite from, but that's not how this word uh, dynamis is used here as something as explosive to blow up something, but it's to, it's to point out that this power means that God has, in, has the inanimate power, the right power. He is sovereign all by himself that he can do because he wants to kind of power, power that sort of he say is going to be done, pointing out that he is able to say to whoever believeth in him. The power that God has means that his power surpasses anybody else's power, that it is dynamic, but it means that he is able or has the strength or the capability to save. Why, why should you not be ashamed of this? Do you know some people that need some saving? Do you know some people that are so out of it, so knocked down, that they're looking for anyone or someone to tell them how they can be saved? And he's letting them know that there is someone. Tell you that, there is someone that is able to save you. He's pointing out, I'm not ashamed of it, because we have some people that won't speak of Jesus, won't talk of Jesus. Because they are ashamed. They don't want to tell anybody where they go on Sunday. What would you do over the weekend? Oh, nothing. Well, you didn't tell me you went to church, had a shown up good time. But you tell me you go to that Super Bowl party. Went to your cookout or you went to your friend's house, had a good card game. But if it comes talking about Jesus, it's like a side conversation. But we didn't let her. I am not ashamed of my God because he has the power. To save. If you look at this power aspect, this is the crux of the letter. Paul is about to get in depth in this wonderful, beautiful letter to Rome. But yet he's pointing out that first and foremost, I am not ashamed. One reason why he's not ashamed is that he knows where he's about to go. He wants to go to Rome. This gospel he speaks of speaks of a man named Jesus that was crucified. Anyone crucified on the cross is foolishness. It's a shame that they should be ashamed of someone who dies on a cross. That's a criminal. But he was innocent. He who knew no sin became sin. He became my propitiation. He became my ransom. He became my perfect sacrifice. He became my sin offering. He became my atonement. He is my redeemer. Paul is pointing that, that out to them that I know you heard about this gospel message, but I'm not ashamed of it because I know who he is. This gospel, this message I'm speaking of has the power of what? Salvation. You see it there? For it is the power of God, what? Unto salvation to everyone. Then he says, also within this gospel, also within this gospel is what? Righteousness. He's writing to those who are wrongs, who are Jews, who understand the law and who try to live by the law. But Jesus pointed out to them about the law, saying, if you broke one, you broke them all. Saying, he also goes on in his letter, Roman, tell you, he gets deep, y'all. He goes on to say that there's none righteous before the Lord. But in this gospel, you see it, but in this gospel is the righteousness of God. Y'all see that? There's none righteous before the Lord, but in this gospel, there is righteousness. 
Why is it? Because the righteous one who knew no sin died on the cross, defeated death, rose from the grave, and some 40 days later ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father to intercede on our behalf to tell the Father that they call on my name and they are my children and they call you Father. And by that we have been declared righteous. So you know, that's the good news. And look at it closely here. If Paul is pointing out that there is none righteous, what makes us righteous? Jesus. In the gospel, you come to know Jesus. And when you come to know Jesus, you come to know what righteousness is. Jesus comes for the doctrine called imputation of to put on something to somebody else. We who are not righteous... Christ put on righteousness on us. Y'all catch that? Because no matter what the law says, we will always fall short of the law. So therefore, we could never stand before God righteous. And God being a holy God wants some holy people. Come on, somebody. And he wants holy people knowing that we can't be holy, so he provides holiness for us. That, that's why we should not be ashamed of the gospel for what it does for us. How it sets us free. When we come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is what it does. It reveals to us the wicked ways of our lives. I'm in the church. I know y'all look around and say, I did not live wicked. Don't lie to yourself. You in the church, don't lie to yourself. Sin is wickedness. Tell your neighbor, help them out. They don't understand. Sin is wickedness. Because if we look at it, that when you lie, that's being wicked. When you steal, that's being wicked. When you gossip, that's being wicked. Of course, we don't do that because we don't want to make ourselves look bad. But you, you don't need no help. We do bad all by ourselves. God already sees the wickedness among us. Therefore, he puts on righteousness on us. He sees that we are depraved, that we are under, under uh, 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 a need and desperate for some change in our lives. And he says, you know what? I'll put righteousness on you. How can you put righteousness on me, God? Because it's the blood of Jesus. The power of the gospel means that he can save all who what? Believeth in him. You see that word believeth in that goes on to say how what? How he puts righteousness on us. God revealed it from what? From faith to faith. What, what the new living puts it in this way from, from living from day to day in faith. From start to finish in faith. It is written that just what? Live by faith. We, what is pointing out here that as if I believe this gospel, my faith will guide me in direction. If I'm not ashamed of the gospel, then I'm not ashamed of being holy. You know how people use holy role as a negative term. You holy roller. They're trying to degrade you for trying to do what God is asking you to do. And then they got another term, Bible thumpers. Here they come pushing the word, those Bible thumpers. 
But what is the sword here that God desires for us to be holy as he is holy. To be holy means that you, we shun and utter at the sight of evil. That we are not engaged and engrassed in living a life according to this world, but we are living according to his word. David, we, we say it in our Bible place that it be a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. How I have your word hidden within my heart that I might not sin again. We find that in Psalms uh, 110. You see, David says, how can a young man be pure in all his ways by having thine word hidden within his heart that he will not sin against you? He goes on to say, your precepts, your, your statutes, your commandments, how they are finer than, than pure gold, how they are sweeter than honey, even honey from the honeycomb, how they are pure, how they are just, how they, how they revive my soul, how they grant him peace and understanding and wisdom and knowledge. It's a beautiful thing when we know the word of God. Because it helps us. It helps us when we pray that prayer. If you don't pray that prayer, you maybe learn as a kid, you stop saying it, but you need to go back to it occasionally and remember when you say the Lord's Prayer, and he, there's a part in this that says, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Tell your neighbor, God is able. He's able to deliver us from evil and not lead us into temptation because when you know his word, you know how not to gossip, how not to steal, how not to lie. Because the word will catch you up. Say, nah, don't go there. I know what you are trying to do, but don't go there. The word will remind you so that way you can wake up that next morning and not be ashamed. Paul says this to Agrippa and Felix when he's in trial. And Acts says this, that I strive to have my conscience clear before God and man. That wrecked me when I read that, that Paul is pointing out here, I am not just trying to please you. I'm not trying to honor man, but I want God to be pleased in everything that I say or do. What he's saying here is that even when I'm at home, is God pleased with what I'm doing? When nobody else is around. Is God pleased in what I am doing? When I'm uh, outside of the walls of the church and out from the eyesight of the saints, is God pleasing? Is God pleased with what I am doing? Because we know, we know we can get around our saints and, 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 and they will encourage us, but we get around some ants. And they let you do what you want to do. Because they want to do the same thing. But those are the times that we need to step up and say, no, I've been delivered from living a life like this. I, I've been set free. Amazing grace. I sweet I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I, I was blind to the darkness, but I see the light. Look closely at this text. 16 and 17. It's so these verses are, are hinged on the rest of this letter. Because after he deals with how he's not ashamed of the gospel, he starts dealing with judgment. Looking at verse 18, he just moves spriffly. He doesn't take any time. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold truth and unrighteousness. 
or who bound the truth or who concealed the truth in unrighteousness. I want you to look closely as we look at this text. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, right? You see that there? Does it also say how, therefore, the, the righteousness of God was revealed from faith? You see, it's, his wrath is revealed, and so is the righteous are revealed. The righteous are revealed by faith. God gives us initial of faith to find out his righteousness, but those who have rejected him, those who are ungodly, he reveals his wrath. Y'all see that? And look what happens. Because that which may know, be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. So he said that there's no excuse. The invisible God is all around them. Look what happens to them, that he gives them up to their own wicked desires. I, I want you to look at the wrath of God, that verse 24, it says, Wherefore God has also gave them up unto uncleanness, though the lust of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 21 says how they became foolish and their hearts were darkened. They were professing that they were fools, but they were not wise. They were professing that they were wise, but they became fools, living in darkness. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him, pointing out that they knew the truth, but they hid the truth because they were living in untruth. They knew the truth but we're not living in the truth, so they conceal the truth. Going back to what Jesus was saying that, will you light a light a lamp and hide it under a bowl? Saying, will you light the light and then hide the light, conceal the light? You know the truth, but you hide the truth? Because when you lit a lamp in a house, that was to bring light. But if you concealed it, that brought darkness. That extinguished the light. That put out the light. So you say, you know the light, but you'd rather live in darkness? You know the truth, but you'd rather live in a lie? As, as God said it to in, 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 in the Old Testament, he says, is there no balm in Gilead? Then why are my people sickening? He said, can you not be saved? Can you not be healed? But you'd rather live like this? We need to understand, if we know the truth, we should not be ashamed. But there's some people out there who do not know the truth, and we got to show them the truth. Because if you want your house, your family, your children to be blessed and to be safe and not worry about whether to make it at home or not, won't it be a lot easier when you change that guy that you fear to be a loving person of the Lord? Come on, somebody. Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing that you could see that person that's about to shoot you? All of a sudden, I confess Jesus Christ and say, thank you, Lord, we both saved. It's amazing that how we are how we are desperate for ourselves, but not for somebody else. But if you're desperate for them, it's going to bless you. It's up to us to not be ashamed. Because cast this, cast this, cast this. Look at it. it says that God gave them up or delivered them over. Paul opens up and says, the wrath of God was on them. This is what woke me up. God's wrath was not sickness, wasn't pestilence, illness, but letting them live in a depraved mind. 
It says they enjoyed what they were doing. I want you to grab this, grab this, grab this, what's happening here. That they are in the point of beyond return. That they have fell in love with all these other things that became their gods. That they have not turned to the true God. They are happy in feeling the lust of the flesh. That they won't turn to the one that can satisfy their soul. They are happy living in dark day after day that they run away from the light. It's pointing out that, that, that we might, might understand how when somebody is saying that I'm trying to stop but I just can't stop. And how helpless that person feels. Have you ever met anybody like that? That had a situation grasping their life and they wanted to they wanted to solve it, they wanted to fix it, but they just felt helpless. And they felt like they could not do it, and they were unable to do it. And they tell you they tried everything, they've done this, they've done that, and they just can't get over it. It's a, it's a sad state when you are lost, living in a life that is causing nothing but pain and suffering to you, and you feel there's no way out. But there is a way out. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation. Paul is saying that I know that, that those who believe him shall be delivered. They will be delivered from living in sin, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Look, 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 look. Let me continue on. What's quoted in, in Romans? It, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. All who sin, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. We are more than come. Present your body as a living sacrifice. You see, all this is in the letter of Romans because he's trying to point out to them: don't get caught up living in this world, but know the power. Of the gospel. Because when you know the power of the gospel, it's amazing how people's lives change, their reality change, because they're no longer slaves to this world, but says, Lord, this is not my home. But yet when you see how God penalized and let them say, you want to live this way? I'll let you go this way. The Bible consistently deals with this theme of God versus other God. God always established himself as Lord to show the other little gods that have no power, have no might. And in our lives, we have to check to say, Lord, am I ashamed of you because I have something before you? Some of us, some of us don't have to look so far that we may not have these, these lusts that of, uh, uh, and these lists of sins, of this wickedness in there. But some of us need to catch on and remember what Jesus says, that you are not worthy to become my disciple if you do not love me more than your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your, even your spouse. Some of us need to put that in check and say, have I really, really surrendered to you, God, and made you number one? Because when we make God number one, it's amazing how who is number two, they feel like they're number one. Because when you love the Lord, it's amazing how that love starts overflowing in the household. 
that everybody feels loved, nobody feels cheated, nobody feels maligned, nobody feels left out, because everybody understands what it means to love the Lord. But when we do not love the Lord, we love other things. People feel neglected, they feel rejected. We, we've seen it on those stories, those soap operas, all those souls, where somebody's caught in addiction, somebody else is suffering. And who is suffering? The ones who love you most. We need to grasp and realize that God, your gospel can save somebody and get, deliver them from living in this wickedness that's going to cause them to have a reprobate mind and be happy in living in their mess. Y'all heard the story about the dog laying on the nail. The dog is laying on the nail. They ask, how come the dog won't move? He said, it hasn't hurt him enough. Once it hurts him enough, he'll get up and move. There's another story about, about these animals, these frogs. We're hopping along the street. One frog fell into the hole. He says, help me, friends. Hop on out. I, I need y'all help. Hop on out. Here comes the semi-truck. Guess what he did? He hopped out. We sometimes wait when it's too desperate for us to move to get the help that we need. We need to realize that there's somebody out there that is desperate, 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 and they are just waiting for you to simply share them the good news. They've been waiting for you to tell them that Jesus loves you. They're waiting to hear that he has forgiven you of all your sins. They're waiting to hear that he will not hold it against you. Just come as you are. They're waiting to hear that he's prepared a place for you over in glory. Just call on his name and you shall be saved. They're waiting to hear that you too can be delivered from living in sin. That you won't have to have a master over you, but God can change your heart. And change your mind. Because looking at 16 and 17, you see the power of God unto salvation. I'm going to close with this power part. When Paul talks about this power, again it says about the, someone who is able or having the ability to do this. God is able and he has the ability to do this. Another thing about this power, Paul talks about the Philippians that I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. What Paul is pointing out that when I know this power of this salvation, I understand what it means to be justified. Because this justified part is where he comes in a part that in this gospel, therein lies his righteousness, which is what? By faith to faith. For the what? The just live by faith. I want to close with you understanding what he means, why he's not ashamed of the gospel, because of the power of salvation and how it has righteousness in it. I talked about earlier about the imputation that we are not righteous by ourselves, but we are called righteous because someone made us righteous. 
Nothing we can do can make us righteous. If that was the case, Christ did not have to die. But he had to die so that we could become righteous. Which suggests to us that we must die. That we must kill ourselves and deny ourselves and pick up the cross to follow after Christ. Because we are not worthy to become his disciples if we don't deny ourselves first. Jesus, the power of this gospel, denied himself. He who was fully God stepped out of the earthly realms and clothed himself in flesh in a form of a man. It says even in the image of a slave to die on the cross for our sins. This power of God showed the power of able to change people's lives. This power of this gospel saw the lame to walk, the blind to see, and rose the dead from the grave. This power of this gospel saw a man slain on a cross, buried in a grave, a tomb locked by a rock. But the earth shook, graves were opened, dead got up and walked the earth after Christ got up. This power of this gospel had a man that was able to reappear and disappear. Cook them breakfast. Sit down and eat fish and honey with them. And then ascend on a cloud and tell them, just as I left, I'll come back. This power of this gospel has told us that we can do greater things than this. This power of this gospel says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and say, move. And it will go out into the sea. This faith small enough that you can walk on water. Peter, come. Here I come, Jesus. This faith is that if I just, you just say the word, my servant shall be healed. At that very hour, his servant was healed. This faith, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. This power is seen that if I can just make it to the house. Oh, there's blockades in the house. We ain't going to give up, brother. We're going to climb to the top of the house. Oh, it's black. Don't worry. We're going to tear this roof up and put you up in the house. So Jesus can say, get up and walk. So Jesus can say, your sins are forgiven. You see the power of this gospel? How it can change your life. And we who know him, whose lives have been changed, ought to write a letter to somebody else and say, I want to write this to you that I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Because I know what you're going through, but let me tell you what he's brought me And if you can see what he's brought me through, look at this, that nothing's too hard for my God. And you might say your problems are bigger. It's not bigger than my God. You say your problems are bad, it's not better than my God. 
So what, how big it is, how bad it is, my God is able to change it. How do I know? Because he has the power unto salvation. If he can move the mountains, if he can make the Red Sea part and walk on dry land, if he can make thunder and lightning come from the sky, he sure enough can send his son to die on the cross for our sins and to defeat death by rising from the grave on the third day. Because that's the power of the gospel. And then it's up to us to say, Lord, I believe it, I receive it, and I walk in it. For the just, you shall live by faith. For we realize there's nothing that I have done, God, that makes me righteous, but I just trust your holy word. Your word tells me to be holy, Lord. I try to be holy. Clear my tongue, clear my heart, clear my mind. Let me remove anything in my house, anything that's, of, uh, that's against you, God, so I won't lean and fall into that. Let me change my conversation that I don't get caught up with that, that joking, that casing that leads into gossip that'll hurt somebody else. Lord, let me not go to those places that might lead me to do something. I'm going to be ashamed when I wake up in the morning. Lord, I want to truly walk by faith and honor you, almighty God. And I live in this wrath of living in a depraved and a reprobate mind. By being satisfied by living after the lust of the flesh. But Lord, as the deer panted after water, my soul. Thirsteth after you. Better is one day, Lord, in your house than a thousand elsewhere. We ought to just thank our God that the, not the sun by day nor the moon by night. All our help cometh from the Lord. Because all who believe, ever tell your neighbor all, all who believe can be saved. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Right now, God, we turn. There might be someone here who needs to call on your holy name to be saved. Lord, we thank you that all who call on you shall be saved. Father, Lord, that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart right now that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And they shall be saved. Lord, have your way right here in this place. Minister to our hearts. Father, Lord, may we be just as Paul or those who know you, Lord, that we will be bold and cry out to somebody to let them know that I am not ashamed of this gospel. For it has power unto salvation. That somebody else might know how to be a, a living testimony for someone else to be a light in this dark world that they will know that there's truth. And this truth is real. And it can be revealed in their lives. And they can dispel the darkness. Father, we pray that your truth will reign in these households, God, that we'll see families healed, God, children healed, Almighty God, that we'll see no more broken homes, but houses that are happy homes, O oh God, because of your love rule, reigning and ruling in that place, O oh God. That we don't give in to the lust of the flesh, but truly we surrender to your spirit. For the flesh is weak, but the spirit is when we're praying that we will not fall into temptation. Father, there might be someone here looking for a church home. Lord, we welcome them here in this place. Father, that we may be able to disciple them and grow with them as they'll be a blessing to us and we be a blessing to them. And Lord, if this is not that place for their assembly, Lord, we pray that we'll help usher them into a place. 
that they can find where they can grow and be disciple, mature, and grow and be a blessing to them, and they be a blessing unto them. Oh, Lord, just have your way here in this place. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Because it all belongs to you. In our Lord's name we pray. All God's people that agree, say, amen, amen, amen. Maybe.